Hey, bubs. Welcome back to a brand new episode of Talkin' Snicked, the best podcast there is at what it does. And what it does best is tell you about Wolverine. I am your host, Ryan. Today's episode will be our first in the month of August, which means we are kicking off a brand new theme. The theme this month is Alternate Wolverines. We're going to go ahead and get the month started off with the Age of Apocalypse version of Wolverine. We got a brief glimpse of him in last week's episode, and today I'm going to take you through his four-issue series from 1995. Bubs, last week I didn't go into a whole lot of detail as to what the Age of Apocalypse universe was. I mentioned that it was a universe that was created when an alternate reality sprung up after the accidental death of Professor Xavier. But I didn't really explain how and why. So for those of you who are not familiar, Professor Xavier is the founder of the X-Men. He is the antithesis of the mutant terrorist Magneto. Charles Xavier believes in a world where humans and mutants can coexist peacefully together building towards a better tomorrow. Professor Xavier first met Magneto, the man called Magnus, back during the war. And I believe for continuity's sake, it was the like end of the Korean War. And they had met at like a POW, not a POW, but like a uh, veterans hospital in Israel. And the two of them were working with, you know, wounded GIs, wounded soldiers, and other victims of the war. And they had sprung up a friendship and eventually revealed to each other that they were mutants. And from there, a beautiful friendship blossomed. They were inseparable. They had big plans for the future of mutant kind and the future of mankind, and eventually as it does, conflict entered their life and they went their separate ways. Xavier went on to become the founder of the X-Men and eventually Magneto took a different path and became the founder of the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants or in retrospect, the Brotherhood of Mutants. Eventually, Professor Xavier discovers that he has a son that During his time in Israel, he fathered a child with a patient who became a lover, and that was Gabrielle Haller. And unbeknownst to Xavier, she had delivered their child and was raising him on her own, and this child's name was David Haller. At the age of, I think, six, maybe seven, there was an attack on Gabrielle Haller. She was an ambassador for Israel. And there was a terrorist attack against her, and David's powers manifested. And because of the trauma of this event, his psyche was placed in an area of the astral plane, I guess, is the easiest way to describe it. Although it's mostly just in his mind. His mind kind of shut down and created all these various realms within his mind various mutant powers that he had 
manifested themselves as different entities within this this mindscape that his damaged mind created for him. Eventually, Xavier and the new mutants were able to at least heal some of that damage and begin to help him put his mind back together. However, as it often does in X-Men comics, things go awry, villains step in and muck things up, and that's exactly what happened with David. The Shadow King, if you watch the TV show Legion, you should be pretty familiar with David and the Shadow King, and it's not so different in the comics. The Shadow King came around and messed with David's mind, and he messed with many other characters' minds, Moira McTaggart and a few others. There was this whole big saga called the Muir Island Saga, and there were lasting ramifications. One of those ramifications is a grown-up David, who was, for the most part, in charge of his faculties, decided that his father deserved to have his dream come true. And the one person who was preventing that dream of coming to fruition was Magneto. And therefore, Magneto needed to die. This was a storyline that was told in the pages of Legion Quest, which took place in, I want to say... X-Factor, X-Men, and Cable or something weird like that. I, I probably should have done the research, but we're focusing mostly on Wolverine here, and I'm just laying all this down for background. David managed to travel back in time to before Xavier and Magneto separated, before Magneto could ever decide that he was going to oppose Xavier's dream of peace with the intention of assassinating Magneto. He manages to get back in time. He's followed through time by Bishop and Rogue, and I think maybe Gambit, but I'm not sure. So they are unfortunately unable to stop Legion from carrying out his assassination attempt. Unfortunately for him, Xavier, the you know most powerful mind on Earth, caught these stray thoughts of this person that wanted to cause harm to Xavier's friend Magnus. And when Legion fired upon Magneto, Xavier jumped in front and took the bullet and died. Before he died, his last wish was that Magneto would carry on Xavier's dream and thus the Age of Apocalypse was born. One of the things that I always thought was cool about the Age of Apocalypse parallel reality, alternate reality, was that it was a story that took place in continuity. So for a while, we actually had some lasting ramifications. When Legion went back and killed Xavier, his own father, it in essence wiped him from existence. And so they couldn't just go back a little further in time and stop that from happening because David Haller at that point ceased to exist. So reality went all kinds of wacky and a parallel universe was created. It entirely wiped out the normal Marvel universe where all the stories coalesced and took place. That is referred to as Earth 616 or Reality 616. You've may have heard the phrase, you know, oh, the 616 this or the X-Men from 616 that. That's referring to just the normal, regular continuity that, you know, the, the Marvel Universe that's right outside your window. 
just the main continuity. And so this continuity became Earth 295. And for a while, all of the X books were canceled. Like Xavier died in the past. All the X books were canceled. Fans didn't know what was going on. Retailers somewhat didn't know what was going on. And then a month later, brand new titles with, you know, roughly the same creative teams uh, hit the shelves. So Uncanny X-Men became Astonishing X-Men. Adjectiveless X-Men became Amazing X-Men. Wolverine became Weapon X. Cable became X-Man. X-Force became Gambit and the Externals. X-Factor became Factor X. Excalibur became X-Caliber, only it's spelled C-A-L-I-B-R-E, like the caliber of a gun, rather than, you know, the sword that Arthur pulled from the stone, that sort of thing. So they were all rebranded, all of them with brand new number ones. They all bore this little symbol that says, you know, enter now, the age of apocalypse. And no one knew what was going on. The universe was introduced in like a one shot, kind of like how they do now with all of their big crossovers. You know, there's the one story that sets the tone for everything. And then all the other stories go and they take their own turns and twists. And then they coalesce in one final conclusion issue. Same thing with Age of Apocalypse. We got what was called X-Men Alpha. And this kind of set the stage. This is the world where... Xavier died, and Magneto went on to found the X-Men in Professor Xavier's memory. Only he founded the X-Men, and their home base was at Wondegore Mountain instead of in New York. And he didn't have Cerebro like Xavier did, so the way he found mutants was a little different. And he didn't find Scott Summers and Jean Grey and Bobby Drake and Warren Worthington III and Hank McCoy. He found Scarlet Witch and Quicksilver, and Storm, and Jean Grey, and the X-Men were different. They weren't the same X-Men, and because of that, some of the characters who in the regular universe were villains were actually heroes in this reality, and some of the characters that were heroes in this reality became villains. Ultimately, what happened is with the X-Men, not based out of New York, were not there to stop Apocalypse from ascending and fulfilling his celestial mission of carrying out the survival of the fittest. And he takes over the U.S., and he begins to cull humans out of the population and weaker mutants. And so mankind's last bastion is in Europe, and North America has been overrun by Apocalypse and his forces. It is awesome. It all took place in 1995. It was super ambitious, you can probably tell by how excitedly I'm speaking right now that I really loved this series, this crossover, this idea. When I first kind of got into my X-Men collecting days, I've, I've talked about how I've gotten to X-Men before, you know, the odd comic here and there, mostly from the cartoon and the toys from when I was a kid in the 90s. And then I would collect random issues, you know, whatever I found at the drugstore or if by chance my dad would have time to take me to my local comic shop, whatever just happened to be on the newsstands at the time. So I had like X-Men number three and then number 14 and then which was like with Hazard with, you know, some forgettable villain. And then another random I would have number X-Men 28 and then I would have like Uncanny X-Men 
302. Like I just had all these, we, it was just an eclectic collection. I, there was no rhyme or reason to it. And the very first series I began actually collecting issue by issue was Age of Apocalypse. I remember being like 12 or 13. So this would have been 97 or 98, a couple of years after Age of Apocalypse came out. I went and I, you know, ordered from my local comic shop, Astonishing X-Men 1 through 4. Yeah, and then I would, a couple of weeks later, I'd go back and I'd get Weapon X 1 through 4. Then a couple of weeks would go by and I'd get Amazing X-Men, to the, eventually to the point where I've collected X-Men Alpha and Omega, all the series 1 through 4, both X-Universes, both X-Chronicles, you know, all these various comics that tied into Age of Apocalypse. So I really love this series. And many people would say that maybe Days of Future Past is their favorite, like, alternate timeline story. And it's great, but it's only two issues. Cross Time Capers and Excalibur is fantastic, although it was more like Cross Reality Caper than, like, Cross Time. It's just that that part of reality was called Cross Time. It's confusing. But... Age of Apocalypse is obviously the most fleshed out of all these alternate universes. It had a beginning and an end, and it had a purpose, and it was exciting. And it was just a way to spotlight some different characters and give us a twist on characters that we've known and loved up to that point. It was a way to stop things from being stale. It was exciting. I I loved it. And I'm really excited to talk here about Weapon X 1 through 4. So in Weapon Alpha, Magneto, the leader of the X-Men, discovers Bishop. And Bishop was already time-displaced when he became even more time-displaced and witnessed the death of Xavier. And for whatever reason, because the Age of Apocalypse splintered off from there and became an alternate reality, and he was already from a different alternate reality, he had an idea of what the present is supposed to be. And he knew that the Age of Apocalypse was not the correct present. And that, along with a premonition from Destiny, the precog, and a couple other pieces in the puzzle, Magneto kind of figures out that the reality that he lives in is not the way reality is supposed to have gone. That Xavier isn't supposed to have died. And that the reality they're living is a lie. But there is a way to fix it. And so he dispatches all kinds of different teams. Astonish- the Astonishing X-Men team has one mission. The Amazing X-Men have another. Gambit and his externals have their own mission. Uh, Factor X actually deals with the brothers Summers, who turns out are villains in this timeline, because since they were never found by Xavier, they were instead found by Mr. Sinister. And Mr. Sinister works for Apocalypse. He is one of Apocalypse's four horsemen, He's like Apocalypse's right-hand man. And so the Summers brothers actually are on the villainous side here, having been raised by Mr. Sinister. And there's a couple other subtle differences. The Weapon X book, which is the Wolverine book, is a little bit different. Wolverine and his co-stars aren't necessarily X-Men. They're not lackeys of Magneto. They are off doing their own thing, which makes sense. If any of the X-Men characters in the Age of Apocalypse were to go off and do their own thing and be embroiled in the greater Age of Apocalypse Marvel Universe, obviously it would be Wolverine, right? In this case, he never became Wolverine. He's just Weapon X. He never 
joined up with Department H after his treatment at the hands of Weapon X. He just became their weapon, and then, of course, he was freed somehow when Apocalypse came and took over. So there's that. A couple of differences of this Wolverine, he wears a blue and red costume. He only has one hand. His left hand is actually a stump, and he wears like a little bracket kind of deal over that stump. And in this reality, his wife, or at least his one true love, is Jean Grey, who is not the Phoenix. So lots of little differences, and it actually starts with Wolverine working with the Human High Council. The Human High Council is the little oligarchy that is in charge of the humans, the free humans in Europe. And it's made up of Moira McTaggart, uh, Brian Braddock, Bolivar Trask, and Lady Mariko Yashida, and Emma Frost. And that one's a little confusing, and I think they explain what happens. She, like, gives herself a lobotomy of some sort or, like, does something to her brain to shut off her mutant power, and so she passes as human. So the series begins... Wolverine and Jean Grey are on a mission from the Human High Council to retrieve vital information regarding Apocalypse's defenses because the Human High Council is preparing a preemptive strike. They've been double-crossed by Apocalypse in the past, and they believe that they now finally have the capability to destroy Apocalypse's empire. So Wolverine and Jean Grey are sent to the eastern seaboard to rendezvous with a traitor in Apocalypse's midst and take that information back to the Human High Council. So the first issue, it's written by Larry Hama. The art is from Adam Kubert. And you get Kubert's usual art team on the book. So you have the inks from Dan Green. You have the, excuse me, you have inks from Carl Kessel, uh, colors from Mike Thomas, and letters from Pat Brousseau. I think Dan Green actually did work on uh, X-Men Alpha and X-Men Omega. My apologies. So again, that was Adam Kubert, Carl Kessel, Mike Thomas, Pat Brousseau, and then of course I had mentioned Larry Hama as the writer. So they are carrying out their mission. They are using a sentinel who is managing to kind of disguise the fact that he has mutants with him. But unfortunately, Apocalypse's sensors pick up the fact that there are two alpha-level mutants with the Sentinel. And so Apocalypse's forces summon their own alpha mutant to neutralize this threat. And the Apocalypse's forces actually summon Prelate Summers, who we find out is Alex Summers, a.k.a. Havoc. He is uh, pretty high up in Apocalypse's army. Like I said, he and Scott actually are both working for Mr. Sinister. And Alex in this universe is a big sadistic jerk. Anywho, so he fights or at least attempts to fight uh, Jean Grey and Wolverine, Weapon X. But Jean is able to at least keep him busy while Weapon X goes on and manages to get the information they need, these little disks that they retrieve that has information, and they're able to fly back on their Sentinel. Now, before 
They escape, however, Havoc tries to intercept them, and the Sentinel, I actually really like this part, the Sentinel shoots off its hands, and it actually takes Havoc, puts him into like this teleporter thing, and then teleports him back, which ends up with him being fused on a molecular level to this like giant sentinel hand. And so eventually we learn that Dark Beast, which is the Age of Apocalypse version of regular Beast, who is also a sadist and works for Mr. Sinister as his top geneticist, uh, has to uh, unfuse the two of them. So already off the bat, we get like a cool little thing, Wolverine and Jean Grey. I keep calling him Wolverine. Just know that in this universe, he's Weapon X. So if I say Wolverine, just substitute Weapon X. So Jean and Weapon X are an item, and Havoc is a bad guy. So already we have some changes. They're able to take the information back to the Human High Council, and they make the decision to go ahead and move forward with the preemptive strike. Now, Wolverine Weapon X is in favor of the preemptive strike because he's seen enough war that he knows that the only way to end a war is to take out all of your enemies. The only way that they will ever stop fighting you is if you take them all out. So I guess he would be a Truman supporter. Anywho, Jean is opposed to it because she knows that there are still humans there. There are innocent lives in America, in Apocalypse's country, that are being used as slave labor. They are being used for genetic testing, breeding. They are There are also mutants that are fighting the good fight from within Apocalypse's borders who are also trying to rescue humans and bring an end to Apocalypse. And she feels that if they're not warned, if they don't know what's coming, and if she can't stop what's coming, that they will die. So already Gene and Weapon X are uh, not polar opposites, but they're now opposed to one another. And that's, I mean, that's pretty much the first issue. There is some excitement. Uh, we learn that Apocalypse assumed that Mr. Sinister was going to betray him because that's what Mr. Sinister does. It's kind of like the uh, you know Sith Master and Apprentice. Eventually, the Apprentice becomes powerful enough that he feels that he can overthrow the Master. And in this case, Mr. Sinister has taken that step. He is now training his own Asajj Ventress. Not really, but you get what I'm saying. And so because Apocalypse knows that Sinister is going to betray him, he actually booby traps the information. There's like this whole capsule thing that they take back. And in the middle of this debate between the Human High Council, uh, this capsule explodes in flames and magma one of Apocalypse's leading assassins is there and she is trying to take out the Human High Council and she almost succeeds if not for Logan impaling her from behind. Uh, so we just get some cool action here. Magma actually looks really cool in the Age of Apocalypse. I mean, everyone in Age of Apocalypse pretty much looks cooler. I mean, it's like right in the middle of the 90s, so you've got all that 90s excess, but they don't have to adhere to the rules of the regular Marvel Universe, so they're able to just go all out. Like Sunfire, uh, Nightcrawler, Weapon X. Like some of my favorite character designs come from the Age of Apocalypse, and Magma is is no exception. She looks really cool. 
But, you know, she fails in her mission of taking out the Human High Council because luckily they have their own little mutant, and that is Weapon X. And so he's able to take her out, and then the issue ends. That was kind of like the nail in the coffin. All the humans, members of the High Council that were opposed to the preemptive strike, changed their mind after Magma's little attempt here. And the second issue starts off with Wolverine waking up and realizing that Jean is gone. He knew that there was a wedge between them after what happened at the meeting of the Human High Council, and he feels that he's lost her forever. But he realizes, he's able to track her down and realizes that she's kind of just helping with uh, these evacuations. So in the pages of Amazing X-Men, there's a different mission going on. There's like one last exodus of humans to Europe where the amazing X-Men are like protecting all these humans while they smuggle them out in the Sentinels to bring them back to Europe. And so Jean actually goes down to like ground zero and she's helping, you know, speed things along and everything. And, and Weapon X catches up to her and is like, I just, you know, I couldn't bear the thought of you leaving me because, you know, what would I do? I'm nothing without you and this sort of thing. You kind of get the feeling that, uh, you know, even though this is the age of apocalypse and she's not like in love with Scott Summers, that the love between Wolverine and Jean is actually still somewhat unrequited and that Jean doesn't really love Wolverine, that she's just kind of there because there's no Scott Summers for her to be with in this particular universe. And unfortunately, looking upon their reunion, we actually see three Reavers, although I think in this case they're actually called Pretty Boys. And it's Donald Pierce, someone named Clegg, and someone named Slocum. And they're kind of whispering at each other, and we find out that they are bad guys, and they are trying to smuggle weapons into Europe to take out the humans. But our heroes don't know that. So while our heroes are having their reunion and these three other bad guys are watching two other completely separate bad guys, these bad guys actually from the pages of Amazing X-Men number two, uh, Box and Copycat, or in this case, Sister Carlisle and Brother Jeffries, uh, Madison Jeffries, that is, and he's he goes by Box. And so they are assassins who are being used to kill humans because that's apocalypse's overall objective here wipe out all the humans and then wipe out all the weak mutants so that only the strong inherit the earth it's his celestial mission it is his ideal so right when they're about to destroy some humans gene and weapon x spring into action we get some fun battles and of course it's weapon x so they make quick work of Carlisle and Jeffries. From there, Weapon X kind of tells Gene, like, you know, this is what's going to keep happening unless we are able to wipe out all the bad guys. We can save what we have and preserve what we have and sacrifice everything that we don't, or we can keep risking what we do have in order to save what we don't. But keep in mind that the bad guys are always going to keep coming. And so Gene is conflicted and Weapon X is like, look, I'm just going to leave you here to decide what you're going to do. I have to go back to the high council and let them know that, you know, I'm, I'm their man. I'm going to help them out. 
So he does. He has a quick little conversation with Lady Mariko Yoshida. We find out that they were almost an item in the past, you know. So we at least know that in this continuity, Logan becomes Weapon X and he eventually makes his way to Japan where he almost has a relationship with Mariko. So that's kind of cool. It's like a little Easter egg like, hey, you know, for those of you that love Wolverine, we're at least keeping this somewhat you know, somewhat private. The only difference here that I've noticed is that he calls her Mari uh, affectionately instead of Miko. So if you remember when Chris Claremont wrote Wolverine, he would always call her Miko uh, affectionately, but in this case he calls her Mari. And while they're talking, she expresses some misgivings regarding Brian Braddock. And again, while they're discussing you know their their plan of action and the preemptive strike and everything and they're looking at all the various dirigibles or you know they look like you know hot air balloons zeppelins not hot air balloons but like zeppelins and stuff blimps uh, one of them explodes and it's like one of the lead ones and they find out that pierce and these other two reaver guys are attacking it on the orders of uh lord apocalypse you know because he realizes not all humans have to die we can let ourselves become enhanced and then you know we're the strong so they are attacking and then wolverine goes and he fights them these issues are nothing if not action-packed and it's adam kubert who is you know he's a great wolverine artist one of the best and we get some some really good action and ultimately they decide to, they said, we lost one, so Wolverine saved the day before there's any other attacks, before there's anything else. Let's get our strike underway, send out the fleet and all that. And so Wolverine, Weapon X, in one last desperate attempt to have Gene stay with him, he gets like this brief glimpse of, of where she is. You know, while he's over here fighting this battle, and he's distracted, she kind of gives him like a psychic goodbye. So the psychic rapport that we're used to her having with Cyclops, in this reality she has with Logan, and, you know, she does tell him goodbye. Although when she says goodbye, he gets a glimpse of where he's at, and he heads out, and it's this little tiny airstrip in Cornwall, and she's in like this little single prop engine you know with a propeller it looks like a you know world war ii era plane with only a few upgrades and so she goes to take off he arrives on his motorcycle which i love you know it's it's wolverine you know it's this version of wolverine so he's got to have a motorcycle at least once you know so larry hama threw that in there for all of us and he doesn't stop her she's already in the plane taking off she gives him one last kiss she gives him the chance to kill her, to prevent her from going, and he he doesn't do it. He lets her go. And now he has to figure out a way to get the fleet to North America so they can have their strike before she's able to get there and warn everybody. Now, I don't see the deal with like sending her a day in advance so that she can at least warn the good guys so they can make their last final push, but I think that they're afraid that if she tells the good guys, then they're going to stop the strike rather than letting it happen and evacuating beforehand. I mean, they're already trying to evacuate, so there's that. And of course, 
those of us that are reading the other titles, we know that there's other things going on with all these various other teams, and Magneto has a plan, but, you know, Weapon X doesn't know that. So that is the second issue. The third issue of the Weapon X series has to deal with him getting the fleet to North America, or how he's how he's going to do it. And so he returns to Mount Wondegore, where the X-Men were founded by Magneto. On his way there, he has to fight a couple other various cyborgs and other things like that who are like Stooges for Apocalypse, that Apocalypse actually set there to wait in case the X-Men ever return so that they can ambush them. And of course, it's Weapon X, so he makes short work of these two androids. And, you know, he reminisces a little bit about the good times and the bad times that he had here at Wondergore, how he owes a lot to Magneto, how Magneto rescued him and returned his self to him, and that he met Jean Grey there, and that it was his home. But there's a lot of bad memories there, too. People have died. There was an attack by Apocalypse, and that. And kind of while he's reminiscing, he's almost caught unawares by the Age of Apocalypse version of Carol Danvers. She is not Captain Marvel. She is not Miss Marvel. She is just former military special forces kind of person, Carol Danvers. And she is guarding the person whom Wolverine is coming to speak to. And that is the Age of Apocalypse version of Gateway. So Wolverine finds Gateway. Gateway is similar to his 616 counterpart, although he is wearing clothes. It looks like he was taken from Australia at probably a much earlier age, so he's not just this like little Aborigine guy in a loincloth spinning his weird gateway portal creator. In this case, he is kind of becoming the studier of mankind and statistic keeper for himself, really. And he just, he ignores Wolverine. He doesn't talk. Even Carol's like, he's not ever going to, he doesn't talk. That's not what he does. And so Wolverine just destroys like all the computers and the feedback shock actually gets Gateway to speak. And he's like, you know, what do you want, man? And Logan is able to tell him like, you know, we are going to preemptively strike Apocalypse's forces and we need your help. So we need you to send us that, you know, send us there. And Gateway's like, nah, man, that's that's out of my league. So uh, I'll just send you back, you know, to your base. And right when he's about to do that, the base comes under attack by the cyborgs that Wolverine had thought he had dispatched. It turns out they actually, with their last little bits of life, like merged with themselves and like rebuilt themselves as this really weird misshapen cyborg killing machine. And unfortunately, like right when they defeat that one is when Pierce decides to show up again. And he's like, hey, guess what? You thought you killed me back in London, but you didn't. And I followed you here, and now I have my other friend with me, and we're going to mess some stuff up. And so Wolverine here actually has Gateway teleport him, Gateway, and Carol Danvers onto this plane that Pierce is flying, and they have their little battle. And it looks like Pierce is about to kill Wolverine because Wolverine is busy fighting this other character, 
And so Carol Danvers actually knocks Pierce out of the plane and like detonates one of her gra- uh, grenades while they're in midair. And so it's just Weapon X and Gateway left on this plane. And so Gateway's like, all right, fine. Tell me, tell me where the Armada is. This is what I'll do. I'm not saying no, but I'm not saying yes. Take me to the fleet. Let me talk to the Human High Council and we'll go from there. And that's how the issue ends. You think that uh, Carol Danvers has sacrificed herself. Uh, you're getting tired of all these little reaver types keep showing up. But it makes sense. You know, it's the Age of Apocalypse Weapon X. So naturally, there's all these weird cyborgs that are after him trying to kill him. It is unfortunate that we don't have Yuriko in here. At least, not yet. And I don't believe that she makes an appearance. But the fourth and final issue of Weapon X... He is here with Gateway, he is here with the Human High Council, and he's showing them holographic images that had been taken by human survivors of Apocalypse's forces just wiping them out, just killing them indiscriminately. And eventually, Weapon X discovers a way to make Gateway realize what's at stake. And Gateway agrees he will teleport the human fleet to the land of apocalypse for their strike. Uh, here we go. Here, uh, so in, in issue four, this is where Dan Green is the inker, and we actually have a new colorist, which is Joe Roses. So I thought that I'd seen Dan Green's name. So it actually starts with a couple of pages of apocalypse here, but it's mostly unimportant. And now we see Gateway leading the fleet. They are currently flying over Paris to their like rally point where they are going to teleport. This time, however, after their meeting, Emma Frost pulls Weapon X aside and then she tells him that she also has misgivings about Braddock, that he's been acting strange and insisting that he be a part of everything, even though in the past he's usually been one of those lead from the back and not lead from the front lines. And while the two of them are talking, they realize that in Gateway's determination, he has already like, like climbed onto like the top of one of these ships. And he's like, I'm summoning up, you know, what I need to do to in order to, to teleport the whole group there. And Weapon X is like, dude, and you're like, you're not even chained down or you don't even have a lifeline. You know, what if you fall off? And you know, while they're talking, Gateway's like, look, I don't need that. It's really weird. I can't explain it, but I'm going to teleport us. And while they're having their little talk, this creature kind of flies by and they're like, what the heck? And we realize that Donald Pierce is still alive. This guy just cannot be killed. He has informed apocalypse's forces of where the armada is where the human armada is and where they're going to be and so they're scrambling to intercept because gateway has now teleported them there and in like one last effort pierce flies through the windshield of like the capital ship the lead ship and we see that he has carol danvers in tow she's got like four arms now she has metal wings uh, the character that Wolverine had beaten in the previous issue that was working with Pierce was like this weird cyborg chick that had these metal wings. So obviously now 
that person has like fused with Carol Danvers and it's not good. So they board the lead ship. They're fighting. Pierce is like, Carol, you go take out Gateway and Weapon X. I'm going to deal with the humans. And, oh, hey, Braddock, time for you to reveal yourself to the group as the traitor that you are. And we learn that against Braddock's will, there was this implant that was put onto his cerebral cortex and was making him be a traitor. And he has like one last moment of clarity where he's not under its control and he blasts Donald Pierce out the windshield this time for the last time. And as Pierce is falling to hopefully his death, he actually does the, you know, the whole Balrog move and uh, like extends one of his giant cyborg arms out and actually impales Brian Braddock through the torso. And so he apologizes to Emma Frost as he dies and says, I tried to fight it. I did the best I could, but in the end, I was only human. And so that's it for Donald. That's it for Braddock. Good thing he didn't destroy the whole ship, so the attack is still underway. Meanwhile, topside, we have Carol squaring off against Weapon X and Gateway. They reach her they're like carol you don't have to do this you can be in control and she's like no you don't understand i'm an altered human now i've merged with this other person and this other person really wants to kill you and weapon x is like dude you shot my arm all to hell i have to wait for it to heal so like please don't kill us in the meantime and fight it carol and unfortunately pierce the guy who just won't stay friggin dead comes and he kills carol in her moment of weakness and now he's facing off against weapon x and weapon x walks over angrily puts his stump in pierce's chest and pops his claws it turns out that even without a hand he still has his claws and the act of impaling pierce with his claws is finally what's needed to kill pierce and he's able to do that and Right as he impales Pierce, right as he kills Pierce, Gateway finally gets the portal open. He was finally able to generate enough what he calls generate a space-time vortex big enough for the whole armada to slip through. And he does. And that's it. The armada goes through and we are left with the promise of the stunning conclusion in X-Men Omega which is like the final one shot that ties up all the loose ends. So that is Weapon X. We still have Heroic Wolverine. We have Gene. I love that Carol Danvers is in here as well as Donald Pierce. I would have loved some Yuriko, but we did get Mariko, uh, so that was cool. Uh, and I liked seeing the Human High Council because we really don't see them in any of the other books in Age of Apocalypse. Bubs, if you haven't read Age of Apocalypse, seriously, what the heck? Read it. You have to. It is 90s X-Men like at its finest. I know that there's all these rumors out there that 90s X-Men comics suck, but they don't. There's like a one-year period after Chris Claremont leaves in like 92 that's rough. But as soon as they get like Nicieza and Lobdell and Hama and all those guys 
entrenched in these titles, they get really good. And for the most part, it stays good up until about Onslaught. And then it's kind of iffy until like the Grant Morrison run. So really from like 97 to 99, it's rough. And there's a couple of rough years, 92, 96. There's a few areas that are a little gray. But for the most part, like we got four or five like really solid years of ambitious X-Men storytelling and Age of Apocalypse is the culmination. Like we haven't had anything like that since and we never had anything like that before either. Like we've had some great crossovers in the last decade, decade and a half, you know, Messiah Complex and then uh, Messiah War and then Second Coming were great. We had Schism, which maybe wasn't all that good. We had AVX, which I really hate. We had Inhumans versus X-Men, which really wasn't that good. But there's been some good crossovers. We've had some good stuff. But again, like nothing quite like the Age of Apocalypse. And so that is probably my favorite alternate Wolverine. And I guess it's probably of all the various alternate Wolverines that I'm going to discuss this month. It's maybe the least departure. It's more like this is, it's kind of like a what if, like what if Wolverine didn't join the X-Men, but still had a relationship with Jean Grey. So that's kind of what we get here. But it makes sense for the universe. It makes sense for the story that they're telling that this is what Weapon X would be. I guess I'd be remiss if I didn't at least tell you the ending. So... I'm already talking about a, like, what, 23-year-old story here, uh, but I am going to spoil the end of Age of Apocalypse, so those of you who haven't read it, you can, you know, shy away now. We learn in uh, Factor X number four that Gene does, in fact, arrive in time to warn the good mutants who were left that this preemptive strike is coming in the pages of Factor X, we kind of learn that Scott really isn't as bad as we think he would be, and he's actually still pretty heroic. He's been taking people out of the pens, and he's been you know, secretly saving people, kind of like an underground railroad type thing. And so when Gene arrives and tells him this is what's happening, Scott and Gene like liberate the pens for the final time. The pens are where they keep like humans and really weak mutants that uh, Dark Beast like experiments on and stuff. They have like breeding pens and experimental pens and this and that. And so that's actually where Jean came from. She was actually rescued from the pens by Weapon X at one point. That's actually how Weapon X loses his hand. During that battle, he actually fought Scott Summers and Scott was able to sever Weapon X's left hand with his optic blasts. Anywho, Gene uh, arrives. She tells him they go off and do their own thing. In the meantime, all the various X teams that Magneto has dispatched throughout the world and universe, they all start coming to fruition. Oh, yeah, I forgot. Generation X became Generation Next. So there's another one that, uh, that I had forgotten. And so, like I said, all these things come to fruition. All the good guys' plans are in place, and they just have their one final push. Magneto has a showdown with Apocalypse and all these other things. They manage to fix the Macron crystal or the Mcron crystal and fix reality and set it right using you know the, the reality-creating properties of this crystal. Also, in the meantime, Weapon X... Once they arrive at their destination 
and they're beginning their preemptive strikes. They kind of go from like the West Coast to the East. So Weapon X arrives in New York to try to find Jean to rescue her before the preemptive strikes are all completed. There he finds her and Scott Summers, uh, you know, saving mutants and saving humans. And before he's really able to approach them and help them, Havoc shows up. Havoc, it appears, like kills Jean by shooting his plasma blast like right through her torso. And then right when he's about to kill Scott, then Wolverine comes up and kills him, impales him from behind. And like that's, you know, and then as Jean's dying, she kind of tells Logan, like, I'll always love you. You know, the cue the Whitney Houston song, right? So that's that's how the Weapon X story ends in Age of Apocalypse. Bubs, this has been a fun episode and it's ending on such a high note. I really wish that these shows were like three hours long. But I've already held you guys captive for almost 50 minutes. And so I think maybe it's time we start winding down and let this episode come to a close. Again, check it out. Age of Apocalypse, 1995. Freaking huge. Crossover in every X title that was coming out. All of these stories are good. They're all exciting. It's 90s extreme X-Men that you can possibly have. And it's in an alternate universe. So there's... Nothing that they can't do, and, you know, no stone left unturned. Lots of these characters are wildly different. It's fun to just read the the stories and see how many you can recognize by their names or by their powers or by their mannerisms. It's really fun to see, oh, my gosh, I can't believe that's, you know, copycat Vanessa Carlisle, or, oh, my gosh, all of the, the you know, the the religion of apocalypse is they're the they're not called priests they're called the madri and it's all of different you know jamie madrox dupes it's just great there's so many easter eggs but not really easter eggs because it's still x-men comics but it's great it like references so much that comes before and it's awesome check it out bubs that is going to do it for today's episode Bubs, if you like the show and want to see its continued success, there are a couple of things that you can do. First and foremost, tell your friends. You like the show, you're probably a fan of Wolverine, and if you are, chances are you know someone else who's a fan of Wolverine. So play an episode for them, recommend it to them, let them know they can find the podcast on Apple or Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, if most of those third-party apps that pull in the RSS feeds are going to have my show because I have an iTunes RSS feed. So let them know where they can find it. If you want to go further than that, please rate and review the show. It doesn't take a whole lot of your time, and it's free to do. You don't even have to sign in, for example, on Apple Podcasts if that's the thing that you use. You just click rate and review the show, and you can rate it. You can type your review and just leave your name. You don't have to sign in, nothing like that. It's quick. It's easy. Please do it if you have the time. It would mean a lot to me, and it would really go a long way with helping the show grow. If you want to do more than that, if you feel a higher calling, then check out my Patreon, talkinsnick.patreon.com. 
It is for the show. It is a way to help you contribute monetarily to the success of the show. You can create an account and you can pledge to me, to this show, anything from $1 to $2 to $5 to $10 a month, anything in between, although those are the four tier levels I have specifically, and each of those tiers come with some very fun rewards. You can get tangible benefits like wristbands and colored pages from my Wolverine coloring book. You can also get things like a shout out on the show or even picking a topic for an upcoming episode. So check that out. See what you can do. Join the Talkin' Snicked community. If none of that appeals to you, but you at least want to reach out to me, maybe give me kudos for how much you love the show, probably not, or tell me how much you hate the show and think I should stop it, probably, uh, you can reach me on Twitter, Talkin' Snicked, just the name of the show, T-A-L-K-I-N-S-N-I-K-T, or you can reach me at Gmail, which is talksnicked at gmail.com, T-A-L-K-S-N-I-K-T. One more thing before we go. I have begun a new series of essays or articles on Tumblr. Uh, I have a Tumblr called Talkin' Snicked Show. I started it a long time ago, and I think I posted one thing one time, and that was it. But I'm looking to get back and expand on my brand. And fans on Twitter have voted that the topics they would like to see for these weekly articles are Wolverine continuity deep cuts. So each and every Wolverine Wednesday, in addition to this wonderful podcast that you get to hear, you can also jump onto Tumblr and read a short essay by me regarding one of the deeper cuts of Wolverine's continuity. They're not always super deep, although some of them will be. This week's is all about Wolverine's daughter, and I'm not talking about Laura. Bubs, if you like the music on the show, I know it's really only a couple of riffs here and there, uh, but I recommend then that you stay to the end of the podcast and listen to the track Back from the Dead by the wonderfully talented artist Retcon X. He is a musician who creates original music inspired by X-Men, and the track Back from the Dead inspired by Wolverine is a talkin' snicked exclusive. So stay tuned, check that out. Next week we will be covering Old Man Logan, but I'm not going to tell you what storyline. So you're just going to have to tune in. Until next week, bubs. <laughs>